What's going on, everybody? This is the Growing Up Italian podcast, and I have a guest, Rob, with me. Rob, I agree. I, before we start, I just want to shout out my guy, New York Nico, because if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have crossed paths with you this soon, maybe later on, but not right now. Um, your submission for the accent challenge was incredible. Thank you. You're the only one that took uh, that, that route of you know, making art out of it. Bro, you know what? I had to do what I had to do to get noticed because it's kind of the same thing growing up in Brooklyn. If you weren't tough, you know, you couldn't act tough. So I couldn't act tough in the challenge. I had to do something to get noticed. Yeah. So you, uh, you did like a little poem for the, for, for the original submission. Then I think towards the end, you did another poem, right? Like after it was done. Yeah. I did a commencement poem. Yeah. So it was also, I mean, unfortunately for you, you ran into the wolf. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't fair because, uh, you know, everybody that was uh, – a lot of Nico's fans are very familiar with Charlie, you know, because Nico's been posting it for two years. So, you know, for the first one, he, he took it home. Who, I don't think he'll ever do it again. You know, he's just going to retire high, you know. So yeah. <laughs> the competition's wide open if he decides to do it next year. But, you know, you beat out some, some crazy competition. I feel like I definitely had the hardest road in the finals too, because first of all, I had to go against four women. Women's my total fan base. Shots, shots, you know, shout out to the uh, female community. All the, yeah, all the girls are loving you. Gotta love them for that. So I had to go against, against four women and three of which were famous. Yeah. Wait, I had to go against, you know, Bucci, right? Yeah. Uh, Debbie Mazar and Princess Nokia. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Three famous women. I remember before you went to the finals, I was like, yo, good luck. In the finals, because I thought Charlie was going to lose uh, the other younger girl yeah. from Staten Island. I, I forget her name. The Sienna. Yeah, Sienna. So I was like, you know, it's going to be you versus Sienna. You're like, no way. And then Charlie ends up winning, and you end up winning. And I think Charlie won by like 100 votes. So yeah. it's, it's crazy how that all happened. But what, what did that competition do for you, like, personally? I know, like, Catherine probably now follows you, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, personally, like, I'm not that big of an Instagram person. Like, I only got it about a year and a half ago when I moved from New York to California to, to kind of keep in touch with people. So relatively, I haven't had it that long. Um, and then typically, I wouldn't really put posts out like that, um, kind of like keep to myself a little bit. But I put it out. And then in a matter of a couple of days, like thousands and thousands of, you know, couple thousand followers and, and a lot of, you know, DMs from strangers and stuff like that. Um, you know, being in the, in the times and the post and CNN was definitely really cool. That's great. Yeah, that was wild. Like every media outlet picked this up. Yeah. It was a great story. I mean, it, it's a great idea. Um, you know, people are like, Oh my God, it's so random that that happened. But I'm like, actually, it's not that random. It's kind of perfect. You know, well, it's like Nico, you know, me and Nico been close for like three years now. And, uh, you know, I met Nico just like I, I come across his Instagram because uh, I was at my friend's pizzeria, Carmine's, and I'm looking at the geotag on Instagram and I see a picture of uh, my aunt that's a crossing guard. And I'm like, who took this picture? And then I see 
New York Nico. I'm looking through his page. I'm like, oh my God, I love this. You know, mm -hmm. at the time he probably had like 30, 40,000 followers. So I hit him up from my stores page and I'm like, what's going on, man? I love your work, you know? And uh, at the time, you know, he was hanging out a lot on like two blocks away. So he comes by the store and he was doing something like, uh, like feeding the, the homeless. Like he was doing some kind of, uh, you know, he always does, like he always oh, giving back shit. to the So like, I remember I, we just like, I started donating uh, sandwiches to this thing he was doing and feeding these homeless people like to go bags. It was like, he would cut up the sandwiches and um, give it to them with like chips and a drink. And like from there, we got really cool. And then I introduced them to Charlie, Luca, like my little whack pack, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, then I, I started getting to this growing up Italian page because it was like already going with my sister and cousin. So they were like, we really want to do a podcast. And I'm like, I'd love to, you know, be involved in that. And, you know, I just been around always like around like these rappers and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, I could get good guests and stuff like that. And, you know, two years later, here we are. Yeah, yeah, no, that's dope. I was going to ask what the connection was. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I kind of always wanted to do a podcast. I was like, it would be great to, you know, connect it with growing up Italian. And it just, uh, you know, try to keep the, the culture going, you know? Because mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like sure. it's a culture that, like, a lot of people only, like, associate with, like, mobsters and guidos, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of other things going on. But yeah. uh, let's talk a little bit about like what your journey was from New York to California. Like, why did you do that? Yeah, man, I, I, you know, I was working in the restaurant industry in New York and a lot of the times the people that would come in to apply for jobs moved from out of state and I would interview them and I would ask them, you know, what, what was your journey like? And oh, I took a huge risk and I moved from my hometown to the big city and I always respected all the people for doing that. And as like savvy as you are growing up in New York and how kind of, you know, quick you are to absorb things and, definitely the best place to grow up. I felt like I always lacked that experience of, of moving. So me, me too. Huh? Me too. I feel like, cause I like never went away to college and stuff like that. You know, and like a lot of, a lot of people that I feel like I grew up with feel that kind of like void in, in that experience, you know? So I was supposed to move to Las Vegas for a restaurant job mm -hmm. and I wasn't completely happy in, in, in the job and I wasn't completely happy with, what living in Las Vegas would have been like. So I decided to say, to say fuck it and pick up and, and move to California instead. Wait, you, you were going to Vegas first? I was going to Vegas first, yeah. Like on your casino, on your casinos, on your casino shit. Yeah, bro, I was gonna buy matching three-piece suits and I was gonna put the fucking Did it really like that or no? What's that? Is it really like that in Vegas? Like? Nah, not anymore. No? Nah, I wish it was. Now it's fucking... You see Italians in Vegas like that? Because we... We have a couple followers from Vegas. Like I notice it, cause like we sell we sell merch. I think this is in a Vegas. little Italian community over there. Yeah, yeah there is right. And uh, they just opened Italy on the Strip, so now they have oh, some. They? Yeah, some Italian. I've never been to Vegas. That's on my list. You never been there? No, no, I never been to Vegas. When this is all done, I'll go there. Yeah, the prices should be fucking beautiful now. That yeah, all right. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, so you were in Vegas and. It didn't what did you like about it? And it didn't align with my soul, bro. I never saw so many people on like rascal scooters and just just strip malls and shit. I was like, where's the neighborhoods? Where's the blocks? Yeah, you know, it's just like 
It's just like all one thing, right? It's well, it's the strip, mm -hmm. and then it's just dead desert around it. Open, yeah, yeah, okay. So I was just like, like I said, it didn't align with my soul and, and stuff, and I just didn't want to continue being in the restaurant industry. Really, I used to be an actor when I was a kid, and so that kind of always called me back to doing something with that. So when I moved out to California, it kind of just aligned. So I, I came here and then I went back to school. So I'm studying to be a writer and, and try to learn how to make films and stuff like that. And now when you went to California, you Los Angeles, right? right? Yeah, I started in Santa Barbara and then I moved down to Los Angeles, yeah. Okay, so how was that? How's that been? I mean, it's nice because the weather and the produce and on all that stuff, you get the freshest fruits and vegetables ever. But I mean, as in terms of like a city, there's no city here. So again, it's like, yeah, LA is very spread out too. Tremendous. Yeah. In New York, everybody's like living on top of each other, you know, mm -hmm. which you is know, a good and a bad thing, obviously it's a bad thing. I mean, with this thing going on, you know, a lot of people are bugging out. I know a lot of people that rent apartments in Williamsburg went back to their hometowns and like, gave the landlord back the keys and said, don't worry, I'm, I'm not coming back, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I like Los Angeles a lot though. And a lot of New Yorkers kill it in LA. Cause yeah, I, I feel like, you know, they get taken back with us a little bit, but then they realize that we're faster and sharper than everybody else here. So they might as well get down with us. You know yeah, what I mean? That's, that's like, I mean, my friend, uh, I met him through one of my friends that moved from New York to LA, but the owner of Fat Sal's. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. From Long Island. He, Long Island or Queens, but I know he's from New York. And like, he's he's killing out there. Like, that mentality is like New York, that New York hustle, because like, people that want to do one, two things a day while we're doing five or six, you know, like stacking up meetings and, you know, buying more than we could chew, like the New York way, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's not the motto, yeah. Yeah. You uh, you said you had family that um, was in a restaurant business here. Right. Yeah, yeah. Growing up, I mean, how I got my start is in John's Deli in in Bensonhurst. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, Rob Cicero is a really good friend of the family, and he owns it. He owns it now out in Staten Island, and that was definitely they have the Brooklyn location, Gravesend, right? They have a the Brooklyn location, one. but they sold it. Oh, they did. I don't know exactly what the deal is over there because the concept is still the same, but, yeah. but I, I heard, I kind of heard that too, but like, to be honest, I haven't been there yet, but I will tell you, everybody always compares me to them. Like, and they're always in talks of like the roast beef sandwiches, you know, with gravy. Yeah. You know, like that little part of Brooklyn, you have them, you have a uh, rolling roaster. And then there's like another, um roast beef place that everybody uh, uh brennan and car yeah brennan and car see i haven't been there either i never been to brennan and car actually but like a lot of my friends say brennan and car is better than rolling roaster but like rolling roaster is legendary Rolling roaster is the best bro yeah you know you could go there i think it's it's open 24 7 right no in the summer it's open till 3 a.m okay that's what yeah because i've always go there like 1 a.m 2 a.m you know what i mean but yeah. I didn't know if it was like twenty four seven. Yeah. But nah, that's the best. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that part of Brooklyn, but it's just like that roast beef culture is like crazy. Yeah. With yeah. the with the cheese whiz, like and for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, Rolling Roaster like does the little cheese whiz on the side. If you spend a certain amount of money, they give you a free pizza. Like, yeah. 
as if this is a wheel on your birthday. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really like a legendary Brooklyn spot. Yeah, definitely legendary. But, but yeah, I, I definitely growing up in that deli was was hilarious. You know, I was, I was like 16 years old, hanging out with old adults. You know how it is, the classics that just kind of roll into the deli and stay there all day. And Yeah, that's you know. Charlie. That's like how I, I met Charlie, you know? Yeah, yeah. He'd come to the store and then he'd stay six, seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I just started recording him. Yeah, that's they become like menu items. They're just like permanently there. I have I have another guy like Charlie, bro, that's even funnier. But he won't let me record him. He sees the camera gets out, he starts walking away. But he's funnier than Charlie. And the yeah. craziest thing is I don't know his name. Because he just calls me jalapeno every time. So I just call him jalapeno. I can't, <laughs> can't make this up. Yeah. Well, yeah, like that's that Brooklyn culture, man. Like, I really love it. Like, oh, it's the best. People, people just don't understand it. I mean, like. Again, it's just such like a, a tight knit culture that people love so much. And you know, if you're not in it, you don't you don't know. You know, you gotta, what, was, you gotta be- what was the deli before we started recording? You were telling me about a deli that was famous for potatoes and eggs. Oh, Monty's on uh, on Avenue P. So like, I don't know what it is with Italians and potatoes and eggs, but even in my store, it's like a huge thing. Like everybody, mm-hmm. potato and egg, potato and egg, potato and egg. That was the thing your mother made you when there was like nothing else to make. I mean, eggs and potatoes, like yeah. what we always have. Yeah, definitely comfort food, sure. The best way like is boil the potato beforehand, slice it up, you know, cook the egg, a little salt, a little pepper. If you want to get crazy, throw a little fresh mozzarella on it, mm-hmm. you know, but that's like a classic New York Italian sandwich, I think. Yeah, for Even sure. The Fonties has has that. You ever had the Fonties and yeah, Red Hook? Yeah, that's a legendary place too. Oh, legendary spot. With like yeah. the green, it's all green, and it has like the red windows. You know what's crazy is like you can't find a deli like that in Manhattan. Delis like that are only in outer boroughs. That's yeah, it. there is. I mean, you have Cats, which is like the yeah, most legendary of all. That's not tight knit. Yeah, it's not tight knit, but it is like legendary. And then you of have course, no, definitely legendary. But like, there's no Charlie the Wolf in in Cats. You know what I mean? I don't, maybe there is. We just don't see him. Yeah. <laughs> like if you go there and hang out there for like a week straight, you'll see the you same guy. The yeah. And then you'll ask the worker like, "Who's that?" And they'll be like, "Oh, that's this guy." Yeah. Cats, <laughs> Cats is just another animal, though, because like. Yeah, it's a whole nother beast. Yeah, they, they, uh, you know. Italian delis? There's no Italian delis over there. I'm trying to think. There's, um, I mean, Parisi is a bakery, but, uh, what's that one? There's that, uh, like a butcher shop. Nico posted Moe's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Order took over, like, and I met her this summer because, like, she came by when we did the block party, you know, and she, like, really has a, like that that vibe too like hanging out outside drinking coffee you know and um even regina's yeah you get sandwiches in there or you like taking meat for the week to go i think both i think both honestly regina's too so i mean originally that's what we were too kind of not really like a pork store but we started off as like a grocery store and then kind of changed with the neighborhood you know 
Mm-hmm. And we saw like all these people moving in and, you know, my dad, he was always kind of good at adapting, you know, like he changed his business mad times. Yeah. That's why we're still here. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Even through this pandemic, we like closed the door to the store and just open a window and we're doing strictly window service and delivery and on delivery on like seamless and our app, we added all the groceries we have in the store online. So people could order like half pound of prosciutto, uh, fresh mozzarella, ravioli, like frozen raviolis. Like we sell our sauces. So like we adapted even through this time. Yeah, you got to You have to. If it doesn't adapt now, it's not going to last. Yeah, especially like now you see a lot of restaurants close. Like how has the pandemic been in LA? Like are you seeing a lot of like small businesses closing? Because like me, from my drive from where I live now to work, it's like a 30-minute drive. I see a lot of stores close. Like I'll say 75%. Yeah, stores are definitely going down over here big time. I think even worse than New York because they weren't doing that great to begin with because I don't think that LA is very up and coming in that sense. Like the culinary scene is not the same as what it is in New York. So I think people are struggling to begin with. And now like a couple of big ones already went out of business. Like they announced a couple, one called uh, Bone Temps and another place called uh, Auburn already went out of business. So yeah, the restaurant industry is definitely never going to be the same or not be the same for a long time. Yeah, I, I think, think so too. Is adapt and, and start to, you know, think of something else. To, I was talking know. to this guy today, like on the side of my store and uh, he has like a steel company and he told me like 10 different of like his friends that own steel companies, like reached out to him and said, listen, do you want to buy the steel I have? Because we're not opening back up. Wow. So, like even like, People in that kind of world, like, you know, in construction, you know, it's who's going to spend money to fix their kitchen this summer or this mm-hmm. winter? Like, people aren't throwing money like that right now. Yeah, for sure. That's that's another issue. I think, though, I think everything will kind of, you know, shape itself out to be uh, something good will come of it, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. I think it's going to take a while, though. I don't think it's like, you know, people... I don't know about what's going on there, but like recently when it started getting nice out, people act as if nothing ever happened. Yeah, it's not good. Like yesterday, people were at the beach, you know? And I I just don't know if that's the best thing to do right now, you know? No, it's definitely not. So we'll see though. I hope like if anything, like this humbles a lot of people and like makes you appreciate family and what really matters, you know? Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I think that, yeah, when it, when shit starts to open back up, everyone's going to have this kind of reimagined sense of gratitude. Yeah. Way less. We, we kind of needed that, you know, like even the world I live in, it's like everything's quick and, you know, real estate is the highest like it's ever been. I mean, real estate is always going up, but like even for a working person, like how could you like possibly afford to buy a house, like you would have to work 30 years saving like half a year paycheck to buy a house. It's like, how does someone afford to do that? Like, I feel like, you know, when my family came here in the seventies, like it was a little easier to buy a house. Like maybe you would have to work five, six years 
and then you could do it, you know? Mm. Now it's like people work their whole life and they just pay rent. Yeah. yeah. It's a tough cycle, man. I hope that things, you know, shape, shape to be better than this, better than it was before. And that, that doesn't become more impossible because it, yeah, it's, it's really impossible to survive in, in big cities, man. Yeah. Oh. A lot of competition. But uh, what uh, what's what do you see going for your future now? Like, what's your your goals going forward? I don't know. It's 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 kind of up in the air a little bit. You know, it's like everybody. It's funny. You get this like little thing. You get like a little jolt of attention, and everybody you know wants you to exploit what you did a million times over to keep so, getting that same attention. So like from you doing the competition, a lot of people like reach out to you to like. Yeah, I, I got a lot of people reached out to me for to like write poems for them and stuff like that, and and kind of you know get videos going. One really cool, like a major network reached out and asked if I would be uh, interested in doing some sort of a, like document, uh, like a docu series show. That's cool. That was pretty. That was pretty exciting. Um, didn't turn out to be for me, but like, it's uh, yeah, a lot of people reached you out. No, you can't. You can't like. You gotta see what the opportunity is. You know. It's hard not to instinctually jump at the first thing that comes to you, you know, yeah, yeah. because you're like, oh, shit, why, why would I turn down an opportunity that wasn't available yesterday? But then you kind of think to yourself, like, well, does that align with my ultimate goal? I mean, ultimately, I just want to create art and I don't really give a shit about popularity. So I think that if I continue to do that and just make things to make them rather than any sort of outcome, then I'll kind of guide myself in the right way, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. That's, that's the biggest thing, even with me, is doing something that aligns with everything you're doing. So, like, it's just really doing one thing, but at the same time doing five things, you know? So, like, mm -hmm. my, my business, this, you know, all the things I have my hands in, they kind of, like, all segue into each other. Yeah, they all bleed together for sure. So, I mean, that's the goal. It's, it's to make yourself so kind of broad and, and being able to, like, manage a bunch of different things that you become irreplaceable. Because now that's it's just true. your product, and then that's it, you know? Exactly. We actually have a mutual friend, too. And before you said it to me, he we were talking about it. But you went to junior school, junior... Yeah, with went to junior school. high with uh, Rocco, Rocco the comic. Yeah, it's such a small world. Yeah. No, How was he there. as a kid? Uh, he, was, he was a quiet kid. He was, he was a good kid. We were, I think, a little bit more mischievous than he was, you know? We were getting into trouble, and he was, he, he was a nicer guy. And he, we both played the bass guitar in junior high. Oh, I didn't know that about him. He plays the bass guitar. He's, he's talented. He, 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 was, he was good. That's fine. I didn't, I didn't know that about Rock. I got to ask him. Yeah, he plays the bass, bro. Let's see if he's going to want to do our new beat for, this, uh, for our intro. <laughs> get get him, you know, to give us some tunes. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, is there is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I mean, speaking of beats and hip hop, uh, we, we were kind of bonding over hip hop before we went live too. One of the coolest things I think I did when I was growing up was uh, there was. Do you know you familiar with underground hip hop? Mm, a little bit. You hear like Necro and Nonfiction and those yeah. guys? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I lived around the Necro, corner. Necro's big. Like he's yeah, Necro's big. He's very well known. Yeah, yeah, he's huge. And then his brother Ill Bill and my yeah, Ill Bill. That that's how because he's Ill Bill's brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my friend Sabak Red have a, a group called Nonfiction. And Sabak Red lived around the corner for me. Okay. And I met him in the city, and uh, he took me to a couple of Nonfiction shows where I got to like perform and and be that hype man when I was like a little kid. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's great because I listen to every kind of music. And um, I remember when I was like in the seventh or like sixth or seventh grade and I was hanging out with this girl like by her house and we went to go get Chinese food and I see Prodigy. And I didn't even know his name was Prodigy. Like, cause like that's when you had like music, um, you know, music videos on MTV. So I was like, oh, that's Mob Deep. You know, like, <laughs> I was like that's Mob Deep. So like, I always remembered that. And then, uh, you know, he got signed to G-Unit later on and like G-Unit's my time, you know, mm -hmm. like, I love Biggie and Tupac, but like, I was too young to really like, I remember when they were both killed, but mm -hmm. like, I wasn't like listening to them at How old are you? I'm 29. Okay. So like, Biggie's like big in what, 95, 94, right? So I was yeah, like four years yeah. old, you know, like, I wasn't listening to lyrics like that. Mm -hmm. But then like, later on in life, I was like, you know, I caught up on all that, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, then later on in life, I met Prodigy and, you know, I became friends with him. And I always like wanted to do stuff in the music business from small to big, like, but it's very hard to like get your foot in the door. Like, cause not, nobody's just gonna hire you. You just gotta like- You gotta do it yourself. You gotta be around it, you know? So, mm -hmm. you know, for a while, two, three years, I was just always around it. And uh, yeah, I was like close to managing an artist and then it didn't work well, you out. Do, you manage now, no? Yeah, but like, it's not. You do Nikki like, Petito and Luca, no? Yeah, like so. Nikki, I uh, I book stuff for him, and Luca, I manage. I guess you could say I manage Charlie, but he doesn't like give me a cut on anything he makes. <laughs> so I don't know if that's considered. But like, I was talking about like managing a major artist, like you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I was very close to it. So, you know, I know I have my foot in the door. Like, you know. I, I think I have what it takes to help someone like blow up. You know, I've done it a couple of times already. So like, I always said, like, I would love to do it if the opportunity came. So it's like kind of like discovering, like if I discovered the next best rapper, I, oh, you, you rap? I say, well, I, yeah, I could rap, but I'm going to be the next Sinatra, bro. Oh, we could do that too. But <laughs> you got, uh, you know, even Sal the Voice sings that Sinatra. So you know Sal? No. Yeah, after this, you got to check out the, the digital series we just did with him. But uh, he was on America's Got Talent. And uh, he sings like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, like that style. Like he has a big voice. But yeah, I, I would love to hear your singing sometime though. Yeah, bro, I'm going to come out with something. Do you have any, anything out? Any songs? No, I did this this uh, Frank Sinatra competition thing when I was a kid that, that uh, got some play. But no, I didn't record any original stuff yet. That's that's next. You have one. that like content or? Yeah, it's like, I, I, I could probably find it. That would be fun to put on YouTube, man. Now that you, uh, you have a little, you have a couple of groupies, you know, it would be good to put it out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah man. I. I had a good time, man. I, when's the next time you're coming to New York, you know? Uh, hopefully in the summer. Hopefully things calm down. I'll be able to come around and see everybody in the summer. All, all my friends have little kids and they're growing up so quick, so I got to come home. And, and yeah, see now it's crazy to travel because like you got to wear a mask the whole flight. Like, Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. I, I wear a mask to go to the store. By the time I get out, 
I rip it off and I'm like, <gasps> like taking a breath of air. I, yeah. I like wearing a mask. Yeah, so hopefully I'll be able to calm when things kind of calm down. Yeah, you know, this is only like the second podcast we've done like this, but we've been talking about doing this for like a solid month now. So I was like, I got to get it in, you know, before, before it's too late. Yeah, I'm happy you now, did. This was awesome. Now I feel like whenever I, I want to do something, I try to do it right away because you never know what tomorrow could bring, you know? You so, seize the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Man, I had a good time. We'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch, all right? All right, Sabino. It was good talking to you. Stay safe, bro, all right? All right Take later. care. Bye.